Sneakers, we have Helen Kirkham from Helen Kirkham Studios. She creates made to order kicks from waste materials. Welcome. Hi. Do you want to start by introducing yourself a little bit? Tell us a bit about you. Yeah, so I'm Helen Kirkham. Uh, I'm a footwear designer based in London um, and I make shoes out of recycled sneaker components. So I collect sneakers from recycling centers, break them all down to their component pieces, and then use those pieces to remake new made-to-order products. Amazing. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions for you. I'm actually going to start with sustainability. So sustainability is like a huge buzzword at the moment. How do you ensure that you are authentic when it comes to your work? I think it's such a hard thing at the moment, especially like you said, it's such a buzzword, sustainability. You know, everybody's trying to jump on the bandwagon and do something sustainable, which obviously is really good. I think all brands should be should be doing that. But um, it, there's so much confusion within the industry of what sustainability is, what it means. People use, use sustainability in different contexts. So it's really difficult. Um, I always try and when I talk about my work, explain it exactly as it is so I'm not trying to give people I wouldn't say you know oh I do sustainably made sneakers that's not what I'm saying I just explain what I do I take old shoes I make it into new shoes so it's not um and then it's up to up to you know my audience to decide how they how they want to perceive that yeah um so I think it's you know, I try not to put any ideas in, in people's heads like, oh, I am the sustainable sneaker designer or I do this yeah. or I do that. You know, I just say, say what I do and then that's, that's it. And I think that's the best way to um, make sure you keep authenticity because I never want to claim to do something that I don't do. And especially even within my work, you know, there's still things that I'm working on, sourcing, making sure I can you know, swap out bits of the process to source better made materials, whether it's the internal materials, whether it's the glue, um, all those sort of processes, even if it comes down to, you know, packaging and that sort of thing. So I'm just trying to, I started with this idea. Yeah. And that's the crux of my business. And now everything else I'm trying to build the best I can around that. And I think that's, um, you know, keeps like the integrity because I'm very, honest about that I suppose yeah, absolutely and I think that kind of like transparency is super important when it comes to things like sustainability and upcycling because it's very there's so much um what's the word like greenwashing yeah it is called yeah like there's so much of that at the moment so it's really good that you kind of like you're like this is who I am this is what I do it's kind of like up to you to like interpret that which I think is yeah. like a really good way to do it um so the next question, I guess, is what inspired you to start upcycling and recycling trainers? So I was, um, I used to, so I studied footwear design and I studied um, in Northampton. So I did more traditional footwear, um, brogues and uh, dress shoes. And then, because obviously Northampton has a lot of old um, footwear factories, manufacturers and like British um, manufacturers there. So it was all very traditional. And then after that, I did my master's degree at the Royal College of Art. And there I started getting interested in sneakers because I didn't know how they were made. And I knew they were made differently to how traditional shoes were made. Mm -hmm. 
So I started, you know, wanting to take them apart and see, see how they looked. And I actually was asking people for their old sneakers, you know, asking my boyfriend, like, oh, can I take your shoes apart? Can I have your old shoes? And, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> and, uh, and nobody would give me them. And oh. I realized that people have this connection with their sneakers specifically, yeah. that even when they're like completely old and battered, you still like have an affection towards them and you don't want, you know, people didn't want me to cut them up basically. And they were, they were holding on to them even if they weren't necessarily wearing them anymore. Yeah. And so I got really interested in that story of the products and how, you know, people have this affinity with their sneakers specifically. Um, and I really like that. So then um, because I, nobody would give me their shoes, that's when I started looking for recycling centers because, you know, I needed some products to cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then when I started going to the recycling centers, I just realized the mass of stuff that there is. And, you know, when, once I realized that, I was like, this is just such an incredible resource. And it's, um, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I just, from that point, I couldn't fathom making a product out of a new material when there's so much that already exists that we could use. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so then now that's what I do. I work with Trade, which is um, a recycling centre in London. They've got charity shops as well around London and they, um, I go to their warehouse and I take their odd shoes. So it's all the sneakers, when people recycle their sneakers or their shoes, um, sometimes if you don't attach the pair together, like tie the laces together or like put they them together, in some way, they can get lost in the sorting process, obviously, because they have so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get these odd sneak. Oh no. Have you gone? You're still there? No, I'm still there. Oh, sorry. Something really weird happened. My <laughs> emails. <laughs> I was on a roll then. My emails just, I thought the Zoom went, my email just like popped up in front of your face. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, so um, odd, odd sneakers. So then I, then I take those uh, as they can't be used for anything else and yeah. then use them as a raw material. Amazing. Um, Do you want to say that again or is it fine? No, that's fine. No, 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 it's absolutely fine. I actually like might keep it in because it just keeps it a bit more real and authentic. Yeah. But you can see <laughs> once we get to the end, so it's fine. <laughs> um, so just on that, I actually have two questions, like twofold questions on that. With so many sneakers dropping, how do you think brands can become more sustainable? Because you said that like there was a vast amount of like sneakers that like, I guess for you, it's like materials. It's like more stuff that you can play around with. Yeah. But, like for example, with like Nike, they have a sneaker dropping like every day and like, it's yeah, kind it's of like, it's a lot. Mm. So how yeah. do you think? Yeah. I think it's such a, it's, it's so difficult because I mean, for the smaller brands, it's much more straightforward because you don't have that infrastructure already that exists. So it's easier to adapt. Um, but I think, to be honest, I I feel like the big players are going in the right direction. You know, they're definitely releasing things that have a more conscious outlook. They're starting to look at, you know, sustainable materials. And, and I think what's important now is to not just make those, you know, a one-off sneaker pack, but to implement those materialities into everything that they do. Yeah. Um, and that's the only success way really to go forward, I think. Um, and just make a bit less maybe would be yeah. nice. Yeah. I think there's enough 
things. I, yeah, there is. There is. And do you know what? I mean, I'm guilty of it. Like, I have a lot of pairs of trainers. Like, yeah. I was going to, well, my internet is terrible in my house. I would usually probably shoot in my room with all my sneakers. But I actually have a lot of pairs of trainers. And I'm like, actually, sometimes I have to tell myself, like, I don't need to buy any mm. And I will yeah. only like enter a raffle or buy something if I'm like, okay, if I think about it the next day, then, yeah. I, then I will, you know, get it because I'm like, okay, it's still on my mind. I still really want it. It's not just because I've been like served loads of ads or like whatever, but it's yeah. making me want it. It's not just the marketing. It's like, I actually genuinely <laughs> like the product. Yeah, that's the thing. And I think there's nothing wrong with collecting things, you know, be that like, if it's, I would never say to someone like, oh, you've got too much, too many, you know, sneakers or whatever. But I think it's more about, like you said, it's that mindset behind the product. Like, are you buying something because you really care about it and love it and you're going to look after it? Or, you know, are you buying something new every month, every couple of months? And then you can start to think about it and um, maybe change a little bit your buying habits. But I think... um, I feel like that sometimes. Like I want to buy a new pair of shoes and then I'm like, oh, Helen, you can't possibly buy new shoes. Like you make old <laughs> shoes, like don't buy a new pair. So, you know, everyone yeah. falls into that, um, into that thing. But, um, sorry, my fire alarm's going off now. And it's, <laughs> it's gone off. Could you hear that? I can hear it now. Oh. It sounds a bit like Darth Vader through this though. So it just sounds like, like oh. it was like near you breathing heavily. <laughs> oh, so many distractions. Sorry, I'm going to concentrate in a minute. No, um, I don't worry. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's all good. Um, that actually leads me nicely on to your made-to-order sneakers. So, to me, like, this is genius because, like, you were saying about how people have, like, an affinity and, like, a love for a sneaker. And they're, like, even when it's old and battered, they don't throw it away. And you actually kind of give it a new life, I guess. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about that? And I can see you've got the shoe there and you're like... Oh, one in my hand. <laughs> I like to hold a shoe when I'm talking about it. It makes me... I don't know why. Therapeutic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my daughter, it's really... Um, it's been amazing, actually, because it's so interesting to work with clients that have these amazing collections of sneakers that, that they love and they, for one reason or another... Um, you know, want to use to create something like this. So for like this shoe, for example, is um, a client that sent me six pairs of his old sneakers. Mm. And um, obviously I broke them all down to their component pieces and then all the sneakers are in this in this one shoe. And it was really nice because he actually, the reason was that he um, was moving house and he couldn't like keep all his shoes anymore. Yeah. Um, so he sent me some of his favourites that he doesn't wear anymore or that um, I think one of them he said was like his first ever basketball shoes and like all these stories that have got all these memories embedded in them. And now he's got one pair, well, when I send it, he's got one pair <laughs> that, um, you know, that embed all those memories within one piece. And yeah. whether then you want to wear this shoe or you want to put this on your shelf or whatever you want to do with it, it's kind of like this archive, it's your own personal archive. Yeah. And it's completely personal to you and nobody else in the world is ever going to have the yeah. same shoe. Yeah. And I think that's what's so um, beautiful and what I really love about using secondhand products is, you know, it's got, they've got all these memories embedded in them. There's like scuffs and marks and, 
you know when you look at your shoes and you're like oh you know I, I remember when I I don't know dropped a Jaeger bomb on my yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say beer and, because I'm yeah <laughs> and then you like stain the suede but when you look at that shoe you're like oh that was that night out when I did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. and I think those sort of memories are really important yeah for sure um so yeah and then people can look it's just the most amazing thing when I give someone back their shoes and they look at them and they're like oh that's my this that's my that and you know they they have this like instant connection to this product yeah Yeah, 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 it's so amazing it's just the best bit of making shoe Um, yeah um so you mentioned before about like working with customers and things like that and you have people that reach out to you. I saw that last year you worked with Adidas on their Campus 80s. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience working with brands and like how brands have approached you? Because obviously you're like deconstructing their products and putting it back and making it new and putting a new stamp on it. So how do you find working with brands and like what's your experience has been? Yeah, it's always really, really interesting. I think for me, when I actually set up the studio, that was something that was really important to me to try and find a way to work with brands that can be really authentic. And with the campus, I also have one here. I feel like I'm on Blue Peter. What I made um, earlier. <laughs> um, it's, it was such an amazing project. I mean, they were just incredible to work with. It was, it was so, so fun. And just really um, allowed me to be free with what I wanted to do. Yeah. And um, there's actually a documentary on YouTube about the making of this shoe. Amazing. It's like 30 minutes long. Um, I think it's called like Campus 80s, Adidas Campus 80s or something. You'll find it on there. Um, but yeah, it was me and then another designer called Alex Nash um, and then another guy, Shun, who actually is Recature on Instagram. Um, and it was us three and we all did a campus each. And it was just, um, it was just amazing. It was just such a good project. And to be able for me to understand how I could translate the, the things that I'm doing into a shoe that's made in a factory was, was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and to try and get that sort of bespoke and one-off feeling into a product that we did 333 pairs so you know we just did things like in the threads mm-hmm. it's not um it's not glued on so you can it just pulls out yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really it is really stitched and unpicked yeah and that so when you wear the shoe it's going to change yeah. you know adding this um fringe around the edge is like a process of making the shoe so we added all these little details in there even to this um hang tag which comes on the shoe which yeah. is like a sample tag that you get when you when you make a product yeah. and um the amazing woman in the factory that was helping me do the product this is her handwriting and this was oh, her changeover really? it was like her changeover um, notes yeah and she just had the most beautiful handwriting and I was like your handwriting is so lovely can I I was like that needs to go on the shoe we yeah. need to include that and then we made this leather tag with her writing on with all her change requests so and so just things like that it's just they were really um they were really flexible and allowed me to kind of go mad go wild on <laughs> <laughs> which was so good 
Okay, I'll definitely, I'll share a link to the documentary as well that you referenced too. And I'll also follow the guys and share them as well that you worked on the project with. Um, So what is your favourite silhouette to work with? That's one question. To cut up? Yeah, like what's easiest? Is there one that's like tougher than the other? Is there like a sole that's easier to get away? Is there like, you know, an upper that's easier or, yeah. (laughs) Um, For me, I would say a shoe that I love to cut up is a Air Max One. Okay. Just because they, it has the nicest pieces to when you get your scalpel in there and you can just go like down the edge of the um, vamp, it's just it's really satisfying. Yeah. Um, so I love to cut them up, um, but to be honest, it doesn't really like the branding or the the shoe doesn't necessarily come into play that much, and because I'm. Um, collecting stuff from recycling center obviously it's not really i'm not really focused on specific brands i just get whatever shoes i i can um and quite often actually it's like the unusual brands or the um like unnamed brand unnamed like random sneakers that always have like really interesting pieces yeah yeah um maybe it's just because you don't expect it or you haven't seen one before and it's Mm -hmm. it's more interesting um so I wouldn't know. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I've got a favourite, but just um, I like cutting them all up. <laughs> I just like slicing. Them. <laughs> um, I also cut for um, a project with Swiss Sneaks. Um, oh, Julian and the team there. Yeah, I did the poster. So I did the shoe that was on the poster. Oh my god! I've got the. I actually. Oh, I don't have it here. It's in Switzerland. Sorry, but yeah, I actually have the thing. I met with him and he gave me a copy because you cut up all that. It was like a Reebok bottom and like you did all. Yeah. The, like, yeah. Sorry. I knew. Sorry. I, um, you know, you're like this all makes sense to me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I made the shoe for their for their poster, yeah. and I remember they sent me a Jordan Four to cut up, and that was really nice because it's yeah. got those like plastic. Um, PU moulded parts and they're always really satisfying to get off yeah. with a scalpel. <laughs> I remember saying to him, I was like, I actually want this shoe. He was like, yeah, I have it in my size because I think it's like a size 44 or something. Yeah. Name that I remember the size of the shoe. But I was like, oh, I would really rock that right now. Like, I, I know. I've had a few shoe. requests from people before, like, can you make this again? And I'm like, <laughs> they're like sorry it's custom but there was 10 shoes in that shoe that was like a lot to put into one product like some bits only had one one or two little pieces in there but I tried to get everything in amazing anyway I think I went off the topic what do I like to (laughs) (laughs) but it's fine um I guess the next question is like what the biggest challenges in your career so far like I guess what you do is super niche so there must be mm. challenges that you face. Yeah, I think um, the main challenge, well, there's been a lot, but I think, um, <laughs> I guess starting out was um, pretty challenging because I, um, after I graduated from RCA, I, I experienced a kind of year of my life where a lot of, brands were taking inspiration from my project and it was really hard to navigate what to do 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I was kind of like a voyeur to my own work, like just watching this happen, watching yeah. this sort of trend es- escalate, and I wasn't in control of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was that was really difficult because I didn't know you know, what, like, what the best thing to do was. And even now I don't, and I don't really, um, it's just, uh, it's just a challenge understanding, you know, should I call brands out about something? Should I stand my ground? Like, should I just let it slide? Um, so, so that was definitely, um, hard but then when I started the studio I think that that again was one of my um kind of main driving forces to doing the studio I wanted to show that that what I was making wasn't just something that you can just you know stick on your mood board and I'm going to go away like I'm I'm here and what I'm doing is important and I wanted I really wanted to show that mm-hmm. um so that's kind of I guess a, a big driving force but behind like what I'm doing now um so that was definitely hard and then I think just just like having your own business is bloody hard yeah I I can imagine it's yeah and I think sometimes people don't necessarily talk about those side of the sides of things but I think it's you know being your own boss understanding how to run your business um, how to set boundaries for yourself in terms of like being able to have time off or be, you know, and you go through all these, I don't know, you just go, you go through these motions of being like, oh, you know, I chose to do this. So why am I yeah, not having a good time or what, you know, <laughs> what, like nobody's forcing me to do this. I've chosen to do this. So, um, you know, you just go through like all the motions, but I think, um, it's obviously it's an amazing experience, but um, yeah, I think anybody would be lying if they say like that's that wasn't a challenge. Yeah, of course, for sure. And I think yeah, you're so right, especially in like current times. People mm. only portray like the good and the positive, and they don't show the grind behind that and like having this like I guess yeah this like battle with yourself of like you should take a day off but if you take a day off like this will happen or like this and it's like it's like a constant like to and fro I guess and it's one of those things where like if I'm not doing something nothing's happening I'm the only one that can not I'm not the only one that can do it but I mean like in my my business is just me so I have to you know I have to do all the stuff (laughs) all the things yeah (laughs) um okay and that actually moves nicely onto lockdown so one of the questions I had that sent into the old dms was how has lockdown affected lockdown affected your creative practice I think I've been through the same as everyone else been through all the lockdown motions you know Mm -hmm. at the beginning I was doing um IG live workshops and talks and you know all that sort of thing at the start where it's kind of it sounds like the wrong word to say exciting but it's like this unknown um situation where everyone's like 
you know that period where you went on Instagram and it was just like live, 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 live yeah. across the top. Yeah, that, that was me. That was like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm going to do Instagram live. Woo, hi guys. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, it was like, that was great. So that was, that was, and I think what was so amazing about that period is that it really gave me a chance to really connect with the people that follow me on Instagram, connect with my sort of audience and understand. It was just very personal. Yeah. You know, it's really like sat on the floor in my living room showing people how to make a shoe out of a cereal box. Amazing. And it was just like so real. Yeah. Um, so I think like those, those moments were, were really nice. And then, um, and then you get times where you, yeah, your creative practice is definitely affected. You, it kind of gets a bit like unmotivating. You don't really know what to do. Like, of course, like with, you know, a small brand, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress, how you're going to survive. Um, but I think it also it allowed me to be a bit freer as well, because there's no pressure on you because yeah. nobody's expecting you to do anything. Yeah. Like everybody's just shut down. Uh, so you can do what you want and nobody's yeah. going to judge you, I suppose, which was, which was quite nice. But um Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, uh, and even now, it's like an ongoing thing. Now it's all, you know, this second lockdown situation that's going on now. It's like, it's all coming back again, flooding back. Yeah, all yeah, those yeah. Like, I've got to do an Instagram um, live. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be cutting up a shoe before I know it. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if that really answers the question. I think it, it affects you in so many ways, sometimes positive, sometimes negative sometimes just neutral you just get on with it and yeah. I think that that's kind of the mindset that I'm in at the moment just keep going and keep you know powering powering through and kind of try and just see the light at the end of the tunnel I suppose yeah for sure and then so I feel like I'm so negative no you're not <laughs> <laughs> no I don't think you are negative I think you're just more of a realist do you know what I mean because yeah like that is a scenario like no one there is no certainty about anything at the moment yeah you just kind of have to like you just have, have to, to do it on and yeah. do, like carry on doing what a what you enjoy and what makes you happy but b mm. also like just be aware of like everything else so it's like too yeah. Um, yeah definitely on that note one of the questions that we also had was what was the best part about working in your own studio I think um, it's, I mean, it's, it's so cool. It's like something that I've always wanted. Mm. And now I've got, this is my second studio now. So my first studio was really like underneath the railway arch. We didn't have any heating. It was a bit damp. And, but I loved that as well because it yeah, was like yeah. my first studio and it was freezing in there. And I used to have to wear so many layers and I was trying to cut a shoe up with like three pairs of gloves on because I was so cold. <laughs> like shaking. Um, like. <laughs> cutting like swooshes in half. Like, um, but you know that that was cool as well and then and now I've moved to a slightly bigger studio I've got a bloody mezzanine yeah I mean um, look at that sofa it's beautiful look at that sofa <laughs> got that for free and everything um but yeah so I think it's just it's just re really humbling you know that people believe in what I'm doing people are interested in what I'm doing enough that I can 
create this business. Yeah. Um, so it's just cool. And it's just, I like coming into the street. I cycle here, cycle here in the morning, get here, you know, make a coffee. Yeah. I just... I've got a studio. Yeah. It's just cool. <laughs> I mean, there's no else to say about it. <laughs> no, I love that. And I love, like, yeah, I love the humbleness of it because you're just like, oh, like, yeah, this is mine. Like, it's so nice. And, like, yeah. actually you're saying that you've had, like, two studios and you're like, this is where I started and like, this is where I am. And I'm sure in another, yeah. another couple of years you'll have an even better studio, a bigger studio and, like, a team and, like, you know, everything. Yeah. So, like there's so much opportunity to grow for you. And I think there's going to be, yeah, lots, lots to come. For you yeah. I remember um, a while ago, I was sort of like sitting here, like fed up about something. And I just opened um, Instagram and I saw a quote on there and it said, remember when all you wanted was all you have now. Yeah. And I just opened it, saw that, and just like shut my phone again and was like, yeah, yeah. I used to, my dream was like to have a studio yeah. and make cool sneakers for people. Yeah. And that, I'm doing that. And right. I'm 28 yeah. years old and I can make a living out of that. Yeah. Fair I mean, me. smashing it. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> smashing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so... I have one final question. I have two more final questions, actually. What's next for you? Is there anything exciting coming up that you can tell us about or that we should look out for? Or Yeah. Um, I do have some exciting things, but I can't tell you anything, I don't think. Um, <laughs> but there's cool stuff coming up, I think, personally, for, my, for the brand and also collaboration-wise. So, um, yeah, it's been... Although this year's been obviously hard, yeah. there's still some some cool things I think that will come out towards the end of the year that will hopefully lift everyone's spirits a little bit and just, you know, some cool stuff coming out from the studio. So um it's exciting. And also made to order, you know, is going really well now. Um yeah. I just did an amazing video with a guy called Alistair Redding and he created this lovely video of, like focusing on all my made to order products and you know just elevating that and kind of give sending that out to a new audience so so that's really exciting as well oh amazing um and then my final question is who would you like to see on women in sneakers Ooh, um i have a really good friend of mine called selene raw oh, i hope i pronounced her surname right um <laughs> And she's amazing um, sneaker woman. Yeah. And she, um, I think she would be, I'm sure she would love to talk to you because she's very, um, she's just a great person. Okay. Awesome. Get her on. Okay. Um, and who else? Another interesting one might be Suzanne Udhengel. She does, she's a knitwear designer. Okay. Um, but she's amazing as well. And she does knitwear for sneakers. Um, oh. So that could be really cool. Oh, okay, um, amazing. You'll have to send me them after this yeah. and I'll reach out to them. That'd be great. Yeah. Perfect. That's the two girls I can think of off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's a lot more. It's all good. No worries. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. 
that is it. All right. End of our questions. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for featuring. Thank you for showing your amazing products and for sharing your story. Really. Thank you so much. It was so good to chat to you. Thanks. Right. I'll see you later. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.